Our bodies are not a property that we possess. They're a gift, they're a grace. We are commanded to love God, worship God, honor God with our bodies. We're invited to love God, worship God with all of our bodies. Welcome to the Jesus Storybook Bible Podcast, a place where we remind you that grace can rewrite any story, that hope shines a light through our darkest moments, and that God's love changes lives. Here's your host, New York Times bestselling author, Sally Lloyd-Jones. Hello, I'm Sally Lloyd-Jones, author of the Jesus Storybook Bible, which tells the story of God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking about worship and our bodies and what they might have to do with each other. We might, especially if we're in the West, think worship is just about our minds and hearts. But as the author Richard Foster writes, that's not what we see in the Bible. The Bible, he says, describes worship in physical terms. The root meaning for the Hebrew word we translate worship is to prostrate. The word bless literally means to kneel. Thanksgiving refers to an extension of the hand. Throughout scripture, we find a variety of physical postures in connection with worship, lying prostrate, standing, kneeling, lifting the hands, clapping the hands, lifting the head, bowing the head, dancing and wearing sackcloth and ashes. The point is that we are to offer God our bodies as well as all the rest of our being. Worship is appropriately physical. Tim Keller writes this, the word worship is from the old English word worth-ship, the ascribing of highest worth. Whatever you value or love the most, whatever is your greatest source of significance and security, you are worshipping in your heart. Worship in church is just an expression of that. But have you ever wondered why God asks us to worship him? Doesn't that seem, well, sorry, but sort of vain of him? I used to think that as a child, and so I wrote about this in my devotional, Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. Let me read you an entry. God tells us to glorify him. Glorify means to make a big deal of. When someone makes a big deal of you, it fills up your heart with joy. But why does God need us to make a big deal of him? Why does he need us to get joy? He doesn't. In the beginning, God the Father and Jesus his Son, together with the Holy Spirit, were already there, a loving family, glorifying each other in this wonderful dance of joy. No, God didn't create us to get joy. He already had it. He created us to share it. He knows it's the thing your heart most needs to be happy. When God says, glorify me, he's really saying, be filled with joy. He's inviting us into his forever happiness. John 15 verse 11 says, You will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Our guest today believes worship is as much a matter of the body as the head and the heart. He reminds us that our bodies are gifts from God, given to us to worship him. We're designed to worship. David Taylor is Associate Professor of Theology and Culture at Fuller Theological Seminary and the author of several books. His most recent book is called A Body of Praise, Understanding the Role of Our Physical Bodies in Worship. 
He's an Anglican priest and has lectured widely on the arts. And in 2016, he produced a short film on the Psalms with Bono and Eugene Peterson. What David shares reminds me of this quote from a favorite writer, Frederick Beekner. He says, in general, rejoice in God and make a fool of yourself for him, the way lovers have always made fools of themselves for the one they love. And this quote from John Wesley, sing lustily and with a good courage, beware of singing as if you were half dead or half asleep, but lift up your voice with strength. I think you'll find it as fascinating as I. David is a humble, learned and gentle guide and I know you'll be encouraged as we explore worship together or what Thomas Carlyle described as transcendent wonder. So without further ado, please welcome my friend and now yours, David Taylor. My name is David Taylor and my day job, I am Associate Professor of Theology and Culture at Fuller Theological Seminary. I went to University of Texas, went to seminary in Canada, and then was a pastor for 10 years in Austin, Texas, almost 10 years, and then did my PhD at Duke. And I have now been teaching theology for uh, nine years at Fuller. I'm, I'm also a husband, I'm a wonderful uh, woman and visual artist, Phaedra, and father of two children, Blythe and Sebastian. I grew up in a conservative evangelical world in a largely Catholic country. And so within my church context, the body was at best neutral, at worst something to be nervous, anxious, afraid of. And so I, I think that's maybe a, a common experience for a lot of Christians in North America. Kind of the sense that either at best the body is neutral, this thing that we just cart around so the real action of our hearts and minds can get on with the business of worship. People, I think, hear the word flesh and they necessarily automatically hear that's bad. In the early centuries of the church, elite Roman society determined a lot of how it is that Christians use their bodies. And that elite Roman culture was marked by very dignified, modest, economical uses of the body. And then that was turned into a law, like if you really want to worship God rightly, truthfully, faithfully, then you should move your body in these very measured, modest, so-called dignified ways. But that stands in sharp contrast to the expressivist, maximalist worship of, of Israel, as well as the kind of worship you may find in African cultures or Latin American cultures. And so there's sort of a poor understanding of how it is that culture positively informs, but also negatively informs how you know we think about our bodies and how we bring our bodies into worship. I've discovered uh, better news, which is that our bodies are a gift. Uh, they're a gift and a grace. And I should take my body and we should take our bodies as seriously as God takes our bodies. All throughout scripture, you have this consistent drumbeat of affirmation, underscoring the goodness of our bodies. So I think part of what I'm trying to do is to help Christians read the Bible with fresh eyes, but also to read it more consistently. There's something that we discover about God, and I think about one another, but about God and worship when we are silent with our bodies that we cannot know in any other way. I think scripture makes that amply clear, but 
by the same you know reason there's something that we can know about god uniquely in shouting you know fulsome acclamations and and we know that from firsthand experience when we go to like sporting events or rock concerts right there's a sense in which you're swept up in this kind of socially infectious encounter with good news <laughs> in the form of like you know a score or an amazing performance and we leave that we say wasn't that amazing and you can't have that same experience unless you're participating you know in that fulsome way and again conversely there are certain things that we can't know about the world unless we are silent like going through the redwood forest or walking through the mountains or being at a funeral in silence there's some way in which god has hardwired us to to know and love him and know and love one another and, and honestly know and love ourselves in silence so i think that's a little bit of what i'm trying to get at is there are these unique ways that we can be before god in our bodies in worship and let's make the most of it i talk about what i call the prescriptive uses of our body and the spontaneous uses of our bodies and what i want christians to appreciate to experience afresh is how God has designed us to do both things with our bodies and that both things distinctively form Christ-likeness in us. And we already see these ways of using the body or being in our bodies in the Gospels, how there's so much kneeling and bowing in the presence of Jesus because that is the honor that is due Him. It's like it's an appropriate thing. It has nothing to do with people's personality types or an emotion of the moment. When we raise our hands or open our hands because we wish to show honor to God, a submission of our wills to God, that's a good thing to do with our bodies. And it doesn't really have anything to do with my personality type or my feelings of the moment. It's just that's a right and fitting, appropriate gesture to honor God. But likewise, in the Gospels, we see how people are presenting themselves before Jesus in you know, spontaneous ways. Uh, you know, they fall before him because they experience his healing. I mean, that happens over and over and over in the Gospels. And so likewise, sometimes we raise our hands in worship because there is this overflow of the heart or overflow of, of our minds, that we are just overwhelmed by the beauty of the, of the truth of God, the, the presence of God, the character of God. And so we want our hands to participate in that overflow so our hands go up. And that's an appropriate way to be in Christ's presence. And the hope is that all of what I do with my hands, everything that I do with my knees, my feet, my torso, all my senses, all that I do with my body in worship will then translate to the rest of my life. And so everywhere I go in the rest of my life, I will understand how my hands can honor and my hands can hurt and my legs and feet and body can help others, but also injure others. So I'm, uh, my hope is that what I do with my body in, in, in corporate worship with others is training me to be the kind of body that is the body of Jesus everywhere I go. The hope is that when we gather corporately, we're training our bodies in all these kinds of ways to be like the body of Jesus himself. I think the scariness about being completely honest with each other is that kind of honesty usually manifests itself in bodily forms. 
Like if you are really deeply hurt or sad or upset, you're probably going to show it <laughs> in your face, your hands, your body. When we're honest to God, or even if we're honest about how happy we are, <laughs> there are a lot of people that have a hard time letting themselves really be truly happy. And part of it, I think that fear, anxiety is, well, my body's going to take over. Like, you know, crying, like when you have a good cry or a good laugh, those are some of the most total unself-protective physical actions that human beings can do. When you really give yourself over to a good cry or really give yourself over to a good laugh, and both can be manifestations of honesty, that's all body. But that makes us vulnerable. And that kind of vulnerability is just terrifying. But there it is in scripture. There it is in the Psalms. All that kind of verbal, emotional expressivity is manifested or matched to a physical uh, expressivity. And uh, it's scary. But here's the amazing thing. God assumes in as much as he has given us this text, this text of the Psalms, he assumes that it is possible because he makes it possible by his very presence for a community to be a place. God assumes that it's possible for a community by virtue of his presence, his spirit's presence with us, to be a place where people's deeply wounded hearts can be seen and cared for, where our angers can be graciously brought into the light rather than shunned and suppressed and where people can ask each other the hard questions and still be loved, warts and all, figuratively and literally speaking. I think that is the gift that, that Jesus invites us into, that kind of full life together where we are open and unafraid with each other. And kind of at the end of the day, if I can rephrase JFK, ask what is the least that I can offer to God with my body and worship, ask rather, how can I offer to God and worship all of my body? All of my hands, my feet, my eyes, my ears, my nose, my mouth, every cell, every sense, yielded over to God in humble and joyful adoration. This is a passage from the Jesus Storybook Bible called God Makes a Way. Moses and God's people escaped out of Egypt and into the wilderness. They didn't know the way, but God knew the way and he would show them. God led his people through the desert to the edge of a great sea. They were just wondering how to cross it when suddenly they heard a terrible thundering and pounding. They shaded their eyes to look back and screamed. Pharaoh and his army were coming to get them. God sent a strong east wind to blow all night long. It blew the water on the big sea. It blew it to the left and it blew it to the right until it blew it into two towering walls of water. And there, right through the middle of the sea, a muddy pathway opened up. God's people walked across on dry land. When the Egyptians tried to follow, the walls of water crashed back down on them and swallowed them up. God's people were safe. They danced and laughed and sang and thanked God. When there had been no way out, God had made a way. Oh, I love it because that's what you should do. I know it's what Miriam and her friends did, but I have a feeling all of the people of Israel, and I would hope that I, had I been there, 
And any of us who love and follow Jesus, had we been there, that we would have danced and laughed and sang and thanked God. But we're not time travelers, but we can still be a people who encounter God's rescue in our lives with that kind of full-hearted, full-minded, full-bodied response. And in responding that way, we might feel that we had been loved and that we have loved God rightly. You can get the Jesus Storybook Bible wherever books are sold. To find out more about the book and all of Sally's other books, please visit Sally at sallylloyd-jones.com and follow her on Instagram at sallylloydjones and at Jesus underscore storybook underscore Bible. Before we go, don't forget, God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Oh, hello, it's me again, Sally. I'm just popping back briefly to say two things. The first thing is, don't forget to subscribe to the show because that way you'll get the stories straight to your phone. And the other thing is, while we're at it, would you rate the show and leave us a review? That would be so great because it helps other people find the show too. I really appreciate your help. Thank you.